Hey, I'm Michael, online pastor at Silverdale Baptist Church, and I'm excited to welcome you to our podcast. Now, after you listen to this episode, I hope you'll stick around for just a moment. I'll be sharing about some resources we have for you, as well as a few things going on at Silverdale right now that we would love for you to be a part of. Now, I really hope this podcast is just what you need today to help you in your relationship with Jesus. talking about is influence. I'm so glad that you're here today. I'm Tony Walliser. I'm one of the pastors here at Silverdale, and I get the privilege today of sharing with you God's Word. As you probably know, we are one church, but we have multiple locations. We have nine weekend services, but we are one body. So I'm so thankful that you've chosen to be a part of one of our worship services this weekend. So this is what I encourage you to do. Go and take your Bibles or open that smartphone, open that app to your scriptures to Matthew chapter 4, very first book in the New Testament. And then you can do this as well. You can take out this Bible study outline. It's found right here, and I encourage you to follow along and take notes as God speaks to your heart. As you know, we are in a series called Influencers. And simply what we're doing is we're looking at the reality that we are either influenced by the world or we are influencers in the world. You see, either you're going to be part of the crowd or you're going to become a leader. Either you are going to be a thermometer that simply registers the temperature around you or you're going to be a thermostat that actually affects the temperature that's around you. You see, Christ has called us to be salt and light. And so we add salt to this tasteless world, and we provide light to the darkness that is all around us. And that's what we're learning. We're learning how to be influencers in the life that's around us. Now, what we're doing is we're looking at different areas where we can demonstrate that influence. Last week, you saw that you can influence your friends toward Jesus Christ. And today, what I'm going to do is I want to teach you how you can influence your family toward Jesus Christ. Did you know that you have incredible influence in your family? In fact, check out this statistic here. There was a study just recently done by Barna Research. They asked Americans, whose faith influenced you? And notice what they said. I mean, there may be multiple people that influence your faith, but the number one was who? It was mother. And then it was father. And then it was grandparents. And then you had other siblings and other relatives after that. What I find interesting about that study is only 30% of influence came from outside the family. Think about that. That's me, okay? Only 30% of people, that's including pastors, have influence. That means 70% of the influence that happens spiritually in somebody's life happens through a family member. Now, that's incredibly impacting whenever you think of the influence that you have. Now, I think about my life. My dad's Christian faith influenced me. I saw his genuine faith and character, and that compelled me. 
When I left church, it was my sister that invited me back to church. When I came to faith in Jesus Christ, my faith influenced my younger brother to come to faith in Jesus Christ. My wife, Susan, on a daily basis, her influence influences me. It is incredible the impact that we have, the influence we have at, as a family. Now, what we're going to do today is we're going to study the influence of one particular dad and the influence he had on his children. Now, we could have looked at a number of verses in the Bible. You could have looked at Moses and the influence he had on his brother Aaron, or you got Andrew and, and the influence he had on Peter. But today we're going to look at a dad, a sort of obscure passage, obscure person. His name is Zebedee, but he had an incredible influence on his two sons, James and John. Let's look at this passage. It's found in Matthew chapter 4, beginning verse 18. Look at what God's word says. As he, Jesus, was walking along the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who's called Peter, and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Verse 19, follow me, Jesus told them, and I will make you fish for people. Verse 20, immediately they left their nets and followed Jesus. Verse 21, going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, there he is, and his brother John. They were in a boat with Zebedee, their father, preparing their nets, and he called them. Immediately they left the boat and their father, Zebedee, and followed him. Now, what we find here is that Zebedee has influence in the life of his children. Now, I don't want to minimize the influence that their mom had, but specifically in this text, we find something. We find that Zebedee was with them. In fact, every time in the Gospels that you hear James and John, they're always mentioned with their dad. They are either physically with their dad or they are called sons of Zebedee. Why? Because of the influence that Zebedee had. It's been said that leadership is influence. That means that Zebedee had incredible leadership, incredible influence in his life of his children. Now, most of us, when we think of Zebedee, we go, I don't really know much about Zebedee. I know a lot about his children, right? I mean, think about it. Did you know that the inner circle of Jesus was made up two of Zebedee's boys? The inner circle of Jesus is Peter, James, and John. According to the book of Acts, we discover that after Jesus' resurrection and ascension, that the very first martyr of the Christian church was James. Yeah, was James. James, because of his bold preaching of Jesus Christ, you know, Herod Antipas arrested him and beheaded him because of his faith. We also know, based on the word of God, that the very last living apostle was the apostle John. He was exiled on the Isle of Patmos. That's where he got the revelation, the final book of the Bible, the revelation. He also wrote the Gospel of John. He also wrote the epistles 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. I mean, these men had incredible effect and influence in the kingdom of God and in the church. And yet, who influenced them first? Based on the word of God, it's their dad, Zebedee. See, we never seem to understand the exponential power of influence. I want you to see a little video that sort of helps explain the exponential power that we can have of influence. Check out the video. I love this. Everybody knows about playing with dominoes, but what you may not know is that a domino can knock over another domino, which is about one and a half times larger. So what I have here is a chain of dominoes. Each one is one and a half times larger than the previous one. 
And the smallest domino is about five millimeters high and one millimeter thick. And I will carefully place it. And there are 13 dominoes. And the largest domino, it weighs about 100 pounds and is more than a meter tall. Ready? Boom. <laughs> that was 13 dominoes. If I had 29 dominoes, the last domino would be as tall as the Empire State Building. Isn't science awesome? I love that. I mean, here's the fact. I mean, the, fu the fact is, is that the 19th, 19th domino could knock over the leaning tower of Pisa. You go, well, it's already leaning over. True. But the 24th domino would knock over the Eiffel Tower. And then the 29th domino would be big enough to knock over the Empire State Building. And it all started with a small little domino, right? That is the effect. That's the ripple effect of your life. You may not think that you're making much difference, but you are. And so what we're going to do is we're going to see this man, Zebedee. And we're going to think about the influence that he has and that ripple effect he has on his children. And it's the same for you. And we're going to learn how do we influence our family, and especially as parents or grandparents. Well, I want you to jot down four things, and I literally have four dominoes for each one of my points today, okay? The very first one is this. Jot this on your line. Number one is this. Number one is spend time with them. Spend time with them. Every time you see Zebedee in the scriptures, where is he? He's with his boys. Check it out. Look at it again. Verse 21. He saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in the boat with who? With Zebedee, their father. Now, here's Zebedee. He didn't send them to work, and then he'd go off and go do something else. No, Zebedee was working right there beside them all the time, side by side. You've heard me say this before. Children spell love, T. I-M-E. That's how children really feel loved, quality and quantity of time. Now, what happens is, is that many of us, as baby boomers, and I'm one of them, we came up with this term called, um, you know, quality time. And we said this, you know what? I don't have to have a quantity of time with my kids as long as I have quality time. And so what's happened, our society has bought into that lie. I mean, did you know that 100 years ago, how much time parents spent with their children? 58% of their time was with their kids. Think of that, 58%. Let's move forward 100 years, another century. How much time do parents spend with their kids today? 18% of their time. That means in 100 years, we've lost 40% of the amount of time we spend with our children. And it's having an effect. I mean, you think of the emotional wounds and how our world is so screwed up. It is because there is no longer a connection that happens between dads and children and, and moms and children anymore. There's this absentee parent all the time. Now, you, you've heard me say that many times our kids, they don't rebel against our rules. They rebel against the fact that they don't have a relationship with us. Rules without a relationship will often lead to rebellion, especially during the teenage years. Now, I'm very thankful that I had a good relationship with my dad growing up. Now, I was not a follower of Jesus Christ when I was a teenager, but my dad and I, we would play tennis every week. 
And that was sort of the way that we connected. Now, as a teenager growing up in Florida, you know, I mean, my dad would often embarrass me, but just the way he dressed. I mean, the fact is, is we go play tennis, and I had a, you know, I had a certain outfit that I would wear when I played tennis. I had this gold tennis racket, had certain shoes that I would wear. I had this long feathered hair, and I had this headband, and, you know, just in case any women came by, I wanted to be ready, right? And so I had to look a certain way when I was out in public. And so, you know, um, but then across the net was my dad. And he would wear these pale blue pastel pants. It was, I mean, shorts. They were just the ugliest things you ever saw. He had the palest legs of any man on the planet. And the reason why is because the only time he wore shorts is when he played tennis with me. He had these old, you know, Kmart special tennis shoes that no one would dare wear in public, but he did. And he didn't have any sports socks, so he wore black church socks when he'd play me in tennis. I mean, it was an embarrassment to be without in public. And yet I would play tennis with him in public every week. Why? Because it was our way of connecting. We had a relationship with each other. Well, as a parent, you need to strive to have some kind of relationship with your kids. you got to have time with them. You know, in, in what way? Well, one big thing is mealtime. You need at least one meal a day with your family. Turn off the TV. Get rid of the devices where you're just sitting around and sharing a meal and talking about the day together. I mean, that's critical. At least one meal a day. And you know what else you can do? One night a week. Make it a game night. Have fun together as a family. Let the kids pick the game and just have fun together as a family. Turn off the TV and connect with a game night. Have family vacations. It doesn't have to be expensive. Just make it memorable and fun together. And if your children are young, you know what it is? Experts say bedtime, 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 bedtime. That's whenever children will open up their hearts to you. And so the very first key, the very first domino is that you've got to say, okay, I've got to make time for my kids. That's why grandparents were one of the biggest influencers. Why? Because many times as parents, we're too busy for our kids, and grandparents seem to have the time that kids need to connect with them. And so whatever it may be, whether you're a parent or grandparent or some other family member, spend time with them. Second key to influence your family is this. Jot this down. Second domino effect is this, is provide a good example for them. Provide a good example for them. You've heard the expression, morals are caught more than they're taught. It's true. Morals really are caught more than they are taught. I mean, Jesus put it this way. Jesus said that a student is not above his teacher. You've got to be willing and be able to set a good example from your kids. Why? Because God expects you as a parent to take the lead. God expects you to lead out, and this is what morals look like. This is what is right and wrong. We're going to lead out, and I'm going to take you to worship God at at church. Bottom line is this. Who else is going to teach your values to your kids? Who else is going to teach what you think is important to your kids? You think the world's going to teach your kids those values? Absolutely not. Think the Internet's going to teach them those values? Absolutely not. You think the school system's going to teach your values? Of course not. And don't think that one hour at church is going to do it. It won't. You, as a parent, you have to set the example. You've got to say, this is what life looks like. You've got to provide the example. Well, 
how did Zebedee do that? Well, we find that, that he provided a work ethic for his boys. Look at it again. It's found in verse 21. It says this. They were in a boat with Zebedee, their father, preparing their nets. In your outline, circle in a boat. In a boat. Now, this isn't a pleasure cruise. In the first century, if you see somebody in the boat, what is that? That is work. They're working. And see, Zebedee owned a business. He had a fishing business. And so they were working side by side with their dad. The problem is that the next generation, and maybe even your generation, didn't learn to work. You know, as a parent, if you don't teach a work ethic to your kids, you are disabling them. I mean, here's the thing. Life doesn't work unless you do, okay? You've got to learn to work, okay? That's what's happening here. As I think about my life, I mean, I grew up on a family farm. You've heard that before. And, um, and I realized, looking back, at the time, I thought, it was terrible. I mean, none of my friends had daily chores to do. They, their dads had real jobs in the city. And, um, and so I had, every day, I had to work on the farm with my dad doing these chores, and the truth is, is that, you know, now looking back, I see it as a blessing. Because every day I got to work side by side with my dad. He was a godly man, a godly example. And I realized a whole lot of my worldview I got from my dad. The pragmatic way that I look at life. The way that I, you know, handle my finances. I got it all from my dad. I can remember when I was in middle school... Um, we had some family f- friends that lived in Tampa, Florida, and they had asked my dad to come, you know, visit with them about something and, and come to find out that what they were asking, they said, you know, Ed, we don't have good credit. And our oldest son, Freddie, he needs a new car. And so we're asking you, would you please co-sign on Freddie's loan? Now, based on our friendship, we'll guarantee that he'll pay off the loan and that kind of thing. Don't have to worry about that. But um, would you co-sign for Freddie's car loan? And so my dad said, you know, when I was Freddie's age, I didn't have a car either. I saved up money until I could buy a bike. And then I rode my bike to work, and I saved up enough money to, you know, immigrate to the United States. If riding a bike back and forth worked for me in Switzerland, it ought to work for Freddie here in Florida where everything's flat. Now, Freddie did not think that was very good advice. Amazingly, to me, that made absolute perfect sense to me. Why? Because I had learned my value system and hard work from my dad. I had learned I don't look for handouts. I learned you take what life gives you, you work hard, and you make the best of it. That's what I had learned from my dad. Well, that's what's happening here. You got James and John, they're incredible godly men that God used in the kingdom of God, and they worked hard. Where do they learn that work ethic? They learned it from their dad, Zebedee. But they didn't just work. It says they were working together there. You see, what I've discovered, there's some people that can work, but they don't know how to work together. They don't know how to work on a team. They're great by themselves flying solo, but man, they're misery to be around if you try to work with them. Well, James and John, they learned how to not just work hard. They learned how to work on a team. That was important later on whenever they were leading the church. And so what are the values that you're teaching to your kids? Because your values are going to be caught 
more than they're going to be taught. It's been said that our children will basically do what we say until about age 13, 14, 15. And then they'll start to do what we do. And they will model their lives based on the consistency or the inconsistency that they see in our lives. And so you have influence in your family. As a parent, how do you do it? You spend time with them. Number two, you set a good example for them. The third domino is this. Jot this on your outline. Number three is this. Empower them to make decisions for themselves. Empower them to make decisions for themselves. As a parent, you give roots to your children. How? By your example. But you got to also give them wings to fly. You will nurture them with your time, but you also teach them to leave the nest. As parents, you teach your kids, you discipline them. Why? So that they can become self-disciplined. You don't want your kids to be attached to you all their life. No, you want them to be able to make great godly decisions long after you're gone. Well, that's what they learned from Zebedee. James and John knew how to make great decisions and be decisive. Check it out. Look at it. Matthew chapter 4, verse 21. He, Jesus, saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in a boat with Zebedee, their father, preparing their nets, and he called them. Verse 22, immediately. They left the boat and their father and followed him. In your outline, circle, they left the boat and their father. Now, we learn from the Gospel of John that this wasn't the first encounter that James and John had with Jesus. They had spent time with Jesus, you know, quite a time before this, and they'd learned about Jesus. And now, whenever finally the call of Jesus Christ came, they knew how to be decisive and make a decision. They didn't debate. They didn't argue with Jesus. They didn't say, oh, uh, Jesus, what about dad? What about the family business? Well, well, well uh, this is the only job we've ever had. We don't know what it's going to be like. What's it going to be like with you following Jesus? I mean, what's it going to be like? How did these guys know to make good, decisive decisions? I believe it's because of the example of their dad. You, you see, Zebedee was not some fly-by-night fisherman here. You read the other Gospels, you find out he had a big fishing business. He actually had other hired hands to help him in the fishing business. This was a small entrepreneur, Zebedee was. And so this is a guy who, you know what, he had logistics. You didn't just catch the fish, you had to get the fish to market. And then you had to repair the boats and repair the nets, and you had to make sure that, you know, there was payroll that gets taken care of. They probably observed their dad, Zebedee, make dozens of wise, quick decisions all the time as they fished together, as they observed him and his business. And it's the same way. We've got to pass on that ability to our kids to make good, wise decisions. You know what I love about this story? Is that Zebedee didn't try to keep them around. Whenever they heard the call of Jesus Christ, they got up and they were going to leave Zebedee. He didn't say, well, well, wait, boys, you can't leave me. I mean, I, I built up this big business as a legacy for you boys. I did all this for you. You can't leave me. I love that he didn't do that. He let them go, right? And it's the same way. As parents, you've got to let your kids go. You, you raise them up, and then you release them. That doesn't mean you don't see them or love them and encourage them. But golly, you've got to let them go. That's the purpose of parenting. 
I mean, some of you, you hang on to them with purse strings or some emotional guilt trip all the time. Stop doing that. Release your kids to be great leaders for God. And so here is Zebedee, who's obviously taught his boys to make wise decisions. You know what's sad? Many of us never had that kind of example growing up. We never had a dad, we never had a parent to teach us how to make wise decisions. All we saw growing up was no decision. Passive parenting. You know what? We, we were taught, okay, the best decision is no decision. And so what's happened in our culture is that procrastination is completely acceptable. And everybody, you know, excuses procrastination. Uh, I heard a funny story about this guy who was cleaning out his desk. And he discovered a, you know, a repair ticket for his shoes that was two years old. And he's like, oh my goodness, I totally forgot I put these shoes in to get repaired. And so he goes to the shoe store and he's like, hey, I forgot all about these shoes. Do, do you still have my shoes? And so the repairman went back in the back storage room and he's looking around for a while. And he comes back with a ticket and gives it back to him. And he says, what's wrong? You couldn't find them? And he goes, no, we found them. They'll be ready next Friday. And you go, what? <laughs> You've had them for two years. You'll be ready next Friday. But see, that's acceptable in our culture today. You know, procrastination, you know, we're going to put it off. And we think that that's acceptable. That may be acceptable to others in our culture. It's not acceptable to God. You see, the reason why we teach our children to obey and obey quickly is because later on, whenever they're with God, they're going to learn to obey God quickly. Let me just get it. Simply right here with you are right now. I believe almost every person in this room, you know an area where God has told you to obey. There's an area in your life where you know God has called you to do this. You know it. And you said no. Are you delay? Are you putting it off? The way that Satan works is something like this. He'll whisper in your mind and he'll say, you know what? You really ought to make that decision. You really ought to obey God in that way, but not today. Do it tomorrow. Do it tomorrow. Let me let you in on a secret. Tomorrow never comes. Tomorrow never comes. You need to be like James and John, and you need to obey quickly from the Lord. They learned that from their dad, Zebedee. And so we're looking at these different keys of influence that Zebedee had on his son. There's one final one. Number four is this. Jot this on your outline. Number four is this. Teach them to follow God first. Teach them to follow God first. I love how they responded. Again, verse 22. Immediately, they left the boat and their father. And they, who did they follow? They followed him. They followed Jesus. And your outline, circle followed him. I love the fact that Zebedee gave them the permission to be independent from him. As parents, early on when your kids are young, you're teaching them to be dependent on you, right? But the goal is to then teach them to be independent from you and dependent on God. I mean, early on, the Bible says that children are to obey their parents. But there comes a point well, you know what? You teach them not just to obey you. You teach them to obey God. You teach them to trust God. You teach them to depend on God. You teach them to rely on God. That's what you're called to do. But here's the problem, and I see it all the time. Even in the church, we have Christian parents, and somewhere along the way, we've gotten sidelined off of the main thing. 
And so we have children that God's blessed us with, and, and we, we get all confused. We're like, okay, uh, now that I've got this child, what I want is I want my child to be successful, right? I want my child to be successful. I want to make sure he gets in the right schools. I want to make sure he gets the right job so that he can be successful. I mean, I want my child to be popular. I don't want anybody ever to hurt my child. I want them to be popular. And not only popular, I want to make sure that she's pretty and she wears the nice clothes. And, and that's our goal. And listen, I want your child to be successful. I want them to have a good job one day. I really do. But that is not your main goal as a parent. Let me say that again. The goal of your parenting is not to make your kids successful. Your goal as a parent is to make your kids godly. That's the goal of parenting. Look at how the Apostle Paul puts this in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4. Bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. In your outline, circle the word the Lord. Your family, the reason why you're influencing them to Christ is because you want them to know the Lord and follow the Lord. That is the goal. Of your parenting think about it I mean good I want your kids to be successful but I want them to be godly because you know what they can't take that success to heaven with them you can't and they can't you can't take that job to heaven you can't take that popularity to heaven you can't take those clothes to heaven you can't take that home to heaven you can't take that 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 land to heaven you can't take your car or your boat to heaven there's only one thing you can take to heaven with you that's your family And so influence them toward the Lord. As a parent or grandparent, that is your number one goal. I want to influence them toward Jesus Christ. Now, I'm going to make a statement. may seem harsh, but I believe it's true. It would be better if you never had children than to not do everything possible to point them to Jesus. Let me say that again. It would be better if you never had children than to have children and not do everything possible to point them to Jesus Christ. Now, they may not all follow Jesus Christ, but you've done everything on your part to point them to Jesus Christ. That's what Zebedee did. Zebedee, the reason why these boys had a work ethic, because he had a work ethic. The reason why they knew how to make decisions, because he knew how to make decisions. The reason why they were godly followers of Jesus is because Zebedee followed God. They were simply modeling their dad's example. hundred years ago, there was a Jewish dad who moved from um, where he was to Germany. And he said to his son, he said, son, Carl, he said, you know what? Um, now that we're in Germany, we're going to um, convert to become German Lutherans. And his son said, Dad, is it because um, you now believe Jesus is the Messiah? And his dad said, no, I don't believe there's a God at all. Um, I just know that for our business, it's going to be a whole lot better for us here in Germany if we're German Lutheran. And so this son, hearing his dad, realized, you know what? I, I guess the Christian faith doesn't mean anything. I guess the Jewish faith doesn't mean anything. You know what? All that matters is money. Well, that boy grows up, and he eventually moves to Britain. You know him today as Karl Marx. He wrote the Communist Manifesto. Did you know that the Communist Manifesto came from the heart of a son who saw the hypocrisy of his dad's faith? That's where it all started from. That's the power of your influence. But that's a negative example. I want you to see a positive influence. 
I want you to hear the testimony of one of our small group leaders, one of our deacons, and um, Stan Ford of the influence of his mom in his life. Listen to Stan's story. In my early years, I was uh, raised in a Christian home. My dad was a bivocational pastor. We attended church every Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night. At the age of eight or nine, uh, my dad, uh, for some reason, resigned his church and took a job uh, driving a truck over the road. So uh, my mom became the uh, spiritual leader in my home. She led the devotions uh, at night. Uh, she uh, had us praying at, uh, over every meal. Uh, she had a thing called daily bread that sat on the table and uh, had scripture, little card scriptures in it, and you'd have to take one and read it uh, before you ate. And then mom would pray, and it was not a, a short prayer. It was a uh, long prayer, and we sometimes thought that the meal was going to be cold before we got to eat. I took my first drink uh, in the eighth grade, and I enjoyed it, unfortunately. And uh, it became a th- uh, more of a, a habit than anything else. And by the time I got out of high school, I was a full-blown alcoholic. The alcohol led to, to uh, drugs, and I was doing quite a bit of both of them at the time. And then when I'd come home at night, early in the morning, I would lay down in bed pass out and wake up and my mom would be beside my bed praying for me, calling out to God for her son. One Saturday night I came home and did the same thing. Instead of going to a bar, I went to a friend's house and we was drinking and doing some drugs and for some reason I just couldn't, the alcohol wasn't doing any effects with me and the drugs was not affecting me. And I told a friend of mine, I said, this is something's wrong this is not happening something's just not right so at one o'clock that morning I went home and when I got home my heart was like it was beating out of my chest that I couldn't I I knew what it was it was conviction I laid in the bed and and just tried to make a deal with God and then I got down I said Lord if you just let me just pass this up one time I'll I'll come to you, but not, just not right now. I'm having too much fun. And the Holy Spirit just spoke to me. He said, Stan, this is it. This is your last chance. So I got up that morning, and I went and got my mom out of, out of bed and told her, I said, I need to know Christ. She said, go to the den. And she came to the den, and she come in with this big family Bible. And I don't remember the scripture she read to me, but she just told me, Stan, if you just repent, you ask God to forgive you of your sins and accept him as your Savior, he'll come into your life. At 3 o'clock that morning, I accepted Christ. It was like a load come off my shoulders. Without the influence of my mom, I never would have come to know Christ as my Savior. Amen. Praise the Lord. That is the influence of a praying parent, isn't it? <laughs> I know that many of you could probably go, you know what? I think the influence of my mom had one of the greatest effects in my life. That's the power of influence in our family. Why did James and John follow Jesus? Because I really believe that the influence of Zebedee. But you know what's interesting to me? Is that James and John, they left the family business. They left their dad, right? But they had to decide from that day forward, I'm going to follow Jesus first. That was their decision because later on in life, they were going to be tested. As I said earlier, 
James was arrested by Herod. He was put on trial. And James could have, if he would have renounced Christ and denied the resurrection, he probably would have been spared. But he didn't. He said, no, I'm following Jesus first. Or you have John, the apostle John. He was going to be thrown on an island, exiled on the Isle of Patmos where he would endure a lot of hardships. He probably could have said, you know what? I'm going to renounce Christ and deny the resurrection. I'm going to avoid all this. But he didn't. He said, no, I chose to follow Christ first. Because of that decision, you know what happened? James and John became two of the most influential disciples and followers of Jesus Christ. Millions, if not billions of lives have been affected through the influence of James and John around the world. But that exponential power of their influence all started with the influence of their dad. That is the power of influence. You have that kind of exponential, powerful influence in your family. God's calling you to use it and say, okay, it's time for me to start influencing my family toward Jesus Christ. Be influencers. Well, I hope this was helpful to you. If while listening, you realized you need to take the next step in your relationship with Jesus, we would love to help you with that. You can connect with us by clicking the link in the show notes to our website and then clicking the connect card button. In our weekend worship services, we are in a six-week sermon series called Jesus in the Midst. John chapter 13 and 14 record Jesus's final words to his disciples in the upper room. They are about to enter the darkest moment in history, and Jesus shares with them the essentials of what they need to walk through them. You know, the things they needed in the midst of their darkest hour are the same things we need in ours. We would love for you to join each week at one of our campuses or online. You will find service times by clicking the link in the show notes to our website. Lastly, there are so many ways for you to get involved and be a part of what God is doing at Silverdale. We really want you to feel welcome and a part. So please stay connected. Be sure to like and follow us on all our different social media accounts. You'll find all the links in the show notes of this episode. And lastly, help us spread the word about this podcast. Take a moment to share this episode with your family and friends. Again, we appreciate you listening and hope you will join us again next time.